Hello everyone and welcome back for another episode of the Digest and Invest podcast brought to you by eToro. My name is Josh Gilbert. I'm our market analyst based over in Sydney, Australia. Uh, We have a very special guest today, um, Daniel Ives. He's the managing director of equity research at Webbus Securities. Uh, How are you, Dan? Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. No pleasure. Uh, well, as some of you might have known, um, Sam North is not with us today. He's he's actually over in uh, in Portugal in Lisbon at the Web Summit. So if anything, any of you see him, uh, then give him a wave. Um, but for our listeners that that use Etoro's research tab for for, for those tech stocks um, with our analyst insights, uh, you would have probably seen Dan's name listed under the analyst tab in the past. Um, and Dan, I'll, I'll go on record and say you're the main man on Wall Street right now when it comes to tech, I'll say. Um, so we want to get your insight as to what we can expect from the rest of the year. Um, and we'll get into a few stock specifics. How does that sound? Yeah, great. Perfect. Great. Perfect. Um, so look, let's start with with the outlook for the broader sort of tech sector. So we had the NASDAQ, um, huge month in October, gained 7.3%. We've had some, you know, pretty mixed results so far from from big tech from earnings season. You know, we had obviously Google, Microsoft, which will beat those expectations. Apple with those supply chain issues. Amazon that have obviously missed the mark. So, as a general sort of overview, what can we expect heading into the last few months of the year? You know, the start of twenty twenty two from that sort of broader tech sector. Yeah, look, I, I still think we're in the middle innings of just a massive bull cycle. Protect. I mean, we think tech stocks are up another 15 to 20% at least next year. Because, look, even when you look at some of the issues for tech, Apple, supply chain, Amazon, supply chain, labor costs, you know, you look at a snap of Facebook, the lab it's related to the Apple privacy on the iOS. I mean, these are specific issues. But when you take a step back, you know, the broader demand story in terms of cloud, cybersecurity, big tech, it's a fourth industrial revolution plan. I think numbers are still, you know, called 15 to 20% sort of underestimating what these stocks are going to do. So to us, it's green light to own tech. I mean, we've had 16,000 NASDAQ target the whole year, you know, and, and then I think it's probably closer to, you know, 18.5 into next year. So to us, it's still bullish. Things like the 10-year rotation to value, different exogenous things that happen. I just view those as opportunities to buy the winners. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, when we're sort of heading into to Q4, especially, you know, it, it still looks like right now that, you know, we're probably maybe undervaluing um, earnings going into to, to probably Q4 as well. Um, you know, obviously we're having a pretty and big... demand's outstripping supply. I mean, the, the, the one thing to just continue to stress Demand outstripping supply. When you talk about supply chain issues, those are transitory, in my opinion. It all comes down to the demand. That's why Apple was down 1% when they lowered numbers in this guy. Because Street views that as right now, demand 10 million iPhones over supply. Yeah, absolutely. And, and funnily enough, my uh, my partner actually ordered an iPhone uh, two days ago. And, and obviously, you know, usually that's coming out within a, you know, in a week or you can collect it from store. But, you know, that's not going to be available to sort of the middle of December. So I think you know, straight away, you know, in the real life, we can sort yeah. of understand that 
that that supply issue is is there we'll, we'll touch on apple a little bit in a bit but but dan the, the biggie for us and, and the one i want to cover mainly today is is evs um it's one of our most popular investor trends at eToro um and and we'll start with with the daddy of them all really and, that, and that's obviously tesla um it's our most held stock uh, by eToro investors globally um and that was from from q3 2021 and it's sort of been there for you know probably over the last 18 months really um and you know it's had a huge six months, you know, in the first six months of the year, sort of the share price plateaued slightly. Um, and in that time, it's gained around 76%. Um, so another big session, you know, last night, we're just coming off of the back of some strong earnings. We've had obviously the rental car news. We had the supercharger news last night from the Netherlands. Um, look, I know you've been bullish, obviously, for a long time. But, but what do you make of this price action in, in sort of the last few months? And what would you ultimately put that down to? Look, first, I mean, this is not just speculation. I mean, two things have fundamentally changed in the Tesla story over the last in turn. One was the margin story. I mean, if you look at earnings, margins now, you could start to see auto margins look closer to an IT services company than an automobile company, you know, especially with battery technology where it's going. I think the margin story of Tesla has really been the game changer in terms of what we saw from earnings. When you look at Hertz and Uber, the reason it's so important is because it's, it's a tipping point for mainstream adoption. I mean, today, forget what's happened in China, 10, 12% you know, EVs. Around the world, it's 3%. So, three, so there's there's 3% of cars that are EVs. We think that, that triples over the next two to three years, and Tesla is going to be a massive beneficiary. The only thing that was holding them back it was supply. And now you got Berlin and Austin coming on board. So that's why you're seeing a huge catch-up trade here. Because to us, we view it as a $5 trillion market. Others are going to clearly benefit. You know, VW, GM, Ford, a lot of the pure plays, Lucid, and others. But Tesla right now, they, they basically control their own destiny. And I think that's why the stock has had the move it has. Because fundamental things have changed in the Tesla story since their report earnings. And and you obviously mentioned um, you mentioned China there, and obviously that's going to be obviously a huge addressable market as we know for for Tesla. I think what well, they're probably around about ten percent EV take up compared to the rest of the world, right? Yeah, yeah, about ten to twelve. And next year, right now, we have China being about forty two percent of overall deliveries globally for Tesla. And that's why I, you know you talked about the tailwinds now, but part of the stock. Stock goes up and down with China. So those headwinds earlier this year, safety PR, you know, the person jumping on the car, Shanghai Auto Show, demand issues in China. Now that's reversed. That's a big part of the story. Yeah, and some of the other you know big names that we see our retail investors trade as well is is Neo. That was sort of one of the stories for one of our favorites. Yeah, yeah from from sort of twenty twenty. So just a, a quick before we go back into Tesla on on those sort of Chinese EV names. Um, obviously Neo, Tes, uh, Neo, Xpeng, Liauto. You know, how, how do they fare in China when it comes to Tesla, and how does this sort of Tesla you know bat those sort of you know local names off, if you like? Well, first, I don't view it necessarily as such a zero-sum game. I think that's one of the – it's like a – I'm going to misperception, but it's a bit of a misnomer when it comes to EVs specifically in China. It's not like Neo good, Tesla bad, okay? To us, we're seeing such a rise in time in terms of demand in, in China. 
we ultimately think now the piece is one of every three consumers is really going to be buying EV. Now, Tesla has a huge advantage because of the cachet and because of Giga. I mean, if you look at Giga in Shanghai, it's a big part of their success. 20, and this is important. Those cars that they make in China are about 25% more profitable than ones in the U.S. Now, but, but a lot of it comes down to battery technology. That's why Neo is so focused on developing their own batteries. That's a big part of the moat that Tesla's built. But right now in China, Tesla's gaining market share rather than losing it. And that's an important and almost a trophy case moment, just given the competition domestically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and obviously, you know, I want to touch on it briefly because it's a question that, you know, I think a lot of investors ask and, you know, the, the, the haters, are, you know, sometimes are going to hate against Tesla. We see that with its valuation. So I want to touch on it. They hated it They hated it hundred. They'll despise it at 55. <laughs> That's so true. Um, but look, we, we know the valuation is obviously, you know, pretty high right now, trading at you know, 389 times price to earnings i think forward earnings is about 174 but in terms of how we justify that to, to the bears then and, and the haters how do we justify that and, and what makes it the standout ev play but, but see i don't view like i never view tesla in that valuation okay and i never have because if you went down that path you wouldn't have bought amazon google apple Netflix, and, and, and I can keep going on and on, right? Like, in other words, with transformational names, you have to value them at some sort of scale. That, and then ultimately discount that back. Tesla's scale is not 900,000 units. It's when they get to five to seven million annually. Okay, then, then what does annual earnings look like? What's the cash flow potential? when you start to sum of the parts it i mean we almost break it down into like the battery technology and the moat they built alone is worth six to seven hundred dollars a share just just view that as almost a separate moat then you start to value the actual earnings of the business and where they get to look i mean realistically they, they could be 25 30 dollars a share at this pace when you look out the next three four years so I never like to just put these companies in this little bucket in terms of PE because I view it, it's $5 trillion that's going to be spent over the next decade. If, if you believe Tesla is, let's just say they go from 80% to, to 60%. You're talking about a car event, you know, coming eventually, they'll be selling 20, 15, 20 million units a year. At that point, like that's, that's a company, in my opinion, that's more a $2 trillion plus company rather than where they are today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and briefly, just sort of touching on, we, we spoke about the supply issues and, and ultimately, you know, with the chip shortages, uh, you know, supply issues against that demand. And you know, ultimately, Tesla has sort of been the, the main name that seems to have really sort of, you know, avoided it pretty well in general, I think probably because, you know, they're, they're sort of, you know, reverted to, to sort of building those chips sort of in-house in some cases. And, and we spoke just before about sort of the, the genius that, that is Musk. But, you know, fr from your perspective, we, we know that ultimately that one of the biggest markets for EVs is Europe. And again, we spoke about the, the need for, for China's um, or, or for, 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 for Tesla to sort of really get into to China. Um, but ultimately, what, was the, what does demand look like right now in, in Europe, do you think, for Tesla um, and maybe just EVs in general? 
Yeah, but that's also why Berlin is so important to, to the story because that, that's a big bottleneck right now just from a supply perspective. Look, I, I think under the covers, I mean, Tesla is gaining more and more share in Europe by the day. Now, I could tell you something like, you know, often when I'm in Europe, especially in Scandinavia, you bring up Tesla, there's almost like an emotional, uh, you know, sort of uh, argument about, you know, Tesla's success versus domestic or European. The reality, maybe that was two, three years ago. Now, the average consumer, they want an electric vehicle. They want a Tesla. I mean, you're seeing six of 10 that, that, that want that. And now, I think Europe is actually... Everyone talks about China and the U.S. I think Europe is actually could be one of the stars of the show for Tesla when Berlin's up and running uh, in 2022. Because you're seeing the huge push from a carbon footprint perspective within Europe. And now they're going to have the distribution to get cars to consumers. That, that was the biggest problem. It was either coming from a port in Belgium two years ago, or now it's coming through China on a boat. That's just not realistic to get con- to get cars in country, you know, throughout the union. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you know the the big question is, um, you know, ultimately, and I think a lot of people are going to be looking for this. But what what can we what can we expect from Tesla in, in sort of twenty twenty two? We've spoke about you know battery technology. We've seen obviously possibly the Cybertruck coming through at some point. The superchargers. What's next, and what's going to be the catalyst to move this stock higher from here? Sure. Well, first, I think there's three things that are the catalyst. One, supply. Like, you, if Austin and Berlin come on board and hit no major hiccups, that's massively significant. And I'd say that's more significant than any part of the story because that basically means units would go to potentially 1.5 million plus for the year. Remember, it's demand. Demands outmatching supply right now by about 10 to 15%. Two, you know, a lot of it from, from a broader, it does come down to battery technology because I think over the next few years, they're going to be able to reduce that battery technology anywhere from 30 to 50%. That's significant just in terms of more and more mass market cars, especially with a lot of the, the stalwarts both in Europe and, and the US going after that. Model 3 is going to be the story in 2022. I mean, I think that will, you know, that continues to be the growth driver in China. And I think in the U.S., you're really starting to see a spike in demand because of it. And then the third, it all leads you know, into Cybertruck because we go into later next year in 2023. But I do think it's important. You don't want Cybertruck to sort of cloud the demand story that's going on right now. I think that's separate in terms of going after the trucking market. Ford sells 900,000 you know, F-150s a year. It's a huge opportunity. You put that together now. Now you have more and more models out there, more and more supply, and margins are higher. So now, just going back to like how we started, the margin story, Like if I go back to, to our view you know, over the last decade, it was always they were going to EV, hit scale, then eventually the margin story was going to take hold. That's what's actually happened, but it's happened two years earlier than everyone anywhere expected. 
yeah absolutely and you know you make some great points there and i think that's uh some some great great advice for our investors to sort of watch then uh, um moving into 22 and and you know obviously with the, the cyber truck we obviously saw the the f-150 from ford with their electric version with uh i think it was biden wasn't it when they rolled it out they had biden sort of driving in it so yeah that will be some nice competition to see and i think you said earlier that sort of competition coming through from those more traditional names will also be sort of really interesting as well yeah, but Jez, I was right here on one important point. Like, if, yeah. And this is probably the most important point across the board. So many times, institutional investors, so sophisticated, retail, you know, they'll, they'll ask me about competition, competition, competition. Okay. There's 100 million cars in the world today. 3 million are EVs. If you believe that that's going to 40, 50 million over the next 10 years, Competition is not the issue. It's not a zero-sum game. Others are going to benefit. That's why I just, too many times everyone's like, well, competition coming. Yeah, but Tesla's 80% market share. That's going to continue. But I just want to just drill in that point when everyone talks about competitive, when you start to put the numbers together, I I don't view as much as a zero-sum game as others. Mm, Absolutely. Well, we've got some great points there from from Tesla. So I want to move on to the the next stock, and and that's, that's Apple. We sort of briefly touched on it a moment ago and uh if we flick back to last week that the street didn't like its earnings you know too much on on friday a beat on um or a miss on revenues and sort of in line on on earnings and they've finally been affected as we said by those sort of supply chain issues um which are obviously some weakness in, in the share price um we of course no longer get any forward guidance from apple so what do we think we can expect heading into this holiday season Look, iPhone 13's outstripping supply by 10 million units. It becomes a high-class problem, right? Like, so, so I I view this as basically the biggest product cycle Apple's ever had across the whole platform. While services continues to beat and that be, you know, rudimentary grower, I think they're going to navigate through this supply chain issue. I do think they were overly conservative to some extent, you know, because of what happened in the September quarter. Now, I think if you don't order your iPhone by, call it, third week in November, it doesn't come by, you know, by holiday season. But if I look out for the next year, I mean, there's a company that's going to be doing 225 million units for iPhones. Services is the re-rating story in the stock. I think it's a $3 trillion mark cap as we go into next year. It's going to have to navigate through the supply chain issues. But that doesn't change a bullish stance on Apple. They're only 15% through monetization of services in a 1.7 billion iOS install base. So that's sort of our view of Apple. You'll have these speed bumps from two to three trillion. But if I look at the if I look at numbers and I look at the story, it continues to play out. So I think I probably already know your answer to the next question then, but it sort of plays in with that sort of, you know, two trillion to three trillion and those sort of speed bumps along the way. So do we see then any weakness in the price as an opportunity? You know, what, what's the price target on Apple? What do we see next? But just one, like the speed bumps, like 21 years of doing it, like that's how we make investors money. Institution, like, because when those speed bumps happen, those need the opportunities if you believe in the store. So when I view Apple, like 185 base case, 215 bull case, that's our view of it. Like, you know, and we love haters always coming out, hating on a lot of these names. You get some sort of weak moment 
the bears that have been bears for the 90, the, you know, the, the, the whole 95% of the move, you know, get out there. But if you have calm heads, tune out the noise, focus on fundamentals, understand your risk profile. That's how you make money in these names. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's uh, some great advice for our investors there. Uh, I want to talk about Microsoft as, as well quickly. You know, another huge year up 48% year to day, strong earnings last week. Um, you know, they seem like a powerhouse right now. Nothing can sort of really slow them down. So from my point, looking in the driver is Azure, you know, in this transition to cloud, you know, what, what are your thoughts and what's the catalyst for Microsoft moving forward? Look, I think Microsoft continues to be the best cloud story out there in terms of the transformation to cloud. Only 40% of workloads are in the cloud today. That, that's, that's across the board. Amazon, AWS, GCP, and everyone else. That's why this is a story re-accelerating because of the Azure Office 365 penetration story. And I think it's a name that I view the cloud business alone is worth $1.3 trillion. So you start to sum of the parts, the story. I think right now this is a battle. Who is the first one? to hit $3 trillion between Microsoft and Apple. And you know, I love playing cloud as a theme. You could tangentially cybersecurity, but Microsoft continues to be our top cloud name. Perfect. Well, look, um, Dan, I, I want to finish this off with something. Um, we, we've covered some some big tech names, but I want to give us our listeners some sort of insight into, into the next big thing at tech. You, you've sort of got your finger on the pulse. Um, you know what's happening on Wall Street. You know, we've got robots, we've got electric vehicles, we've got cloud. But from your perspective, you know, what's the diamond right now? Where should investors be looking? I think metaverse. Mm. I think that's important because it's the long story, right? It's going to be in the next five, seven years. But you're going to be seeing Apple, you know, especially with Apple Glass next year that we believe gets released. Facebook obviously changing its name, focused on it. There's going to be more and more metaverse plays, whether it's on the gaming, on the entertainment, on the software side. So I think metaverse is going to be like the next frontier from an investing perspective. You know, outside of, of course, electric vehicle, cybersecurity, cloud, I, I kind of view that as kind of the next frontier. Well, you heard it here first. Metaverse is... Uh is going to be playing through and obviously there's some you know maybe outside of your space slightly down but we've obviously got some great opportunities there through through crypto as well through you know play to earn and you know decentralized yep. and, and those sorts of uh those sorts of assets and we know uh your friend elon musk is a big fan of, of crypto as well so um but dan look thank you very much for joining us today it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast no thanks for having me i appreciate it and uh, you know uh it's always great to talk i think some of these just massive trends right now are going on absolutely and as like i say for anybody who wants to sort of find out a little bit more about dan or, or read some of his articles on the the stocks that we've mentioned you can head over to etoro's pages and check any of the stocks and head to our research page and dan is listed as one of our analysts on there uh thanks everyone for listening to the podcast you can learn more about the markets by visiting our etoro academy we'll be back next week for our podcast thanks a lot and enjoy the rest of your week